I'll say that again, just in case. Uh, we're calling the meeting at 6.32, and we're going to do roll call. Uh, Vice Chair Gabby? Here. Uh, Commissioner Jonathan? Here. Commissioner Jenkins? Here. Commissioner Chloe? Commissioner uh, Sri? Here. Commissioner Christian? Here. Commissioner Gildas? Present. All right. Parks and Community Services. Uh, for staff, we have Parks and Community Services Director Lynn. Uh, Human Services uh, Manager Jen Boone. Here. Human Services Coordinator Annie. Here. Uh, Youth Services Coordinator Reggie. And Human Services Coordinator Amanda Judd. Here. All right. Uh, for our land acknowledgement, uh, Sri has volunteered at our last meeting to read the land acknowledgement. Uh, Sri, are you ready to go with that? I am. After you. We acknowledge that the Southern Salish Sea region lies on the unceded and ancestral land of the Coast Salish peoples, the Duwamish, Muckleshoot, Puyallup, Skykomish, Snoqualmie, Snohomish, Suquamish, and Tulele tribes and other tribes of the Puget Sound Salish people, and that present-day city of Kirkland is in the traditional heartland of the lake people and the river people. We honor with gratitude the land itself, the first people who have reserved treaty rights and continue to live here since time immemorial, and their ancestral heritage. Nicely done, Sri. Do we have a volunteer for September's meeting? to read the land acknowledgement. I'll volunteer for I September. Unless there's anyone who hasn't done it before that would like to volunteer to do it. Christian, have you done it yet? I have not done it, so I'll, I'll happily do it next time. Thank Sounds you for good. the opportunity. Thank you. Do we have a motion to approve the July 25th, 2023 meeting minutes? A motion to approve the meetings minutes. Do we have a second? Second. Uh, raise your hand and and or say yes if you uh, vote yes. 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 Uh, and if you want to say no, say no or do like a thumbs down. All right. Yeses have it. Um, Amanda, is there any? Do we have Join. any guests tonight? Uh, yep. Uh, I will. I will abstain. Okay. Thank you for adding that. Uh, Amanda, do we have any guests tonight? We do not have any uh, attendees other than um, Cecilia, who I just promoted to panelist. Okay, and with that, we have two agencies who are presenting tonight's meeting. First, I'd like to welcome King County Promote, uh, excuse me, King County Promoters uh, Network to talk about the 2023 Kirkland Health and Wellness Fair. Please welcome one of the lead organizers, Cecilia Martinez Vasquez. Good evening, and if I may, can I share my screen? 
Thank you very much. Okay. Can you see it? Okay. Thank you. Again, good evening. My name um, is Cecilia Martinez Vasquez, and my pronouns are she, her, and ella. And I'm here today representing the City of Kirkland's Health and Wellness Fair Coordinating Committee and the King County Promotores Network, KCPN. The following slides um, will give you an overview of the 2022 Health and Wellness Fair for the City of Kirkland. While you view those slides, I will also give you a high-level summary of the origins of this event in our approach, as well as um, some innovative approaches um, in components for 2023. The Health and Wellness Fair is the outcome of the 2020 to 2022 Community Assessment for the City of Kirkland. This was an assessment of the community's needs, wants, and desires. The assessment gave priority to affordable health care, housing and social services, civic engagement opportunities, and educational resources for parents, amongst many other areas of focus. Using a community-centric approach, this health and wellness fair emphasizes outreach to historically marginalized communities and populations within the city of Kirkland and Eastside to address health disparities, again, on the east side and particularly in the, in the area of Kirkland. This year, we are implementing a very exciting and innovative approach that is, again, centered in this community-centric approach. We are creating an opportunity to share our knowledge and grow our impact. The mentorship opportunity gives a community group or an organization a chance to learn about the planning, coordination, implementation, and review process of the health and wellness fair. By doing this, we are growing our impact, we're extending our network of partners and, and stakeholders, and we are giving a group or organization the opportunity to learn from our extensive experience producing community-centric events. And the goals for this opportunity are to build community capacity so that these kinds of events are owned, informed, and driven by the lived experiences of community members and also to foster a meaningful and authentic relationship between the community, the city, and service providers. Our mentorship opportunity will expose youth this year because we're working with a youth organization, youth-led organization. Um, it's gonna expose our youth to professional um, careers in the healthcare field by providing them the opportunity to meet, greet, and talk to healthcare providers from a range of healthcare careers. This year, we also expect our attendance to increase by 20% from last year, which is a great success. We will continue to provide partnership opportunities to collaborate and learn from each other with other um, organizations that do healthcare services and provide healthcare resources in, on the east side and, and particularly in the area of Kirkland. And we will continue to emphasize the importance of community-led events. We invite you to join us on Saturday, September 16th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
at Juanita High School to support and experience this wonderful community gathering event. Thank you. And I will take questions and comments now. Cecilia, thank you for the presentation. That was awesome. I'm really looking forward to the event. I just had a quick question with regards to um, when you think about success for the Health and Wellness Fair, is it related to the number of people that you outreach? Is it related to the number of screenings that are done or the appointments? Like how, what, at the end of the day, like on September 17th, when you look back, what would you say success, like what would, what would success mean to you and the organizing committee? We look at we look at every aspect of it because we want to gauge the impact that we're having and the impact can be measured in so many ways. Um, in this year, we're also looking at impact as in how we engage this one group and organization that we're working with to develop their skills so that they can also become part of this coordinating and implementing process of other events that are very similar that are centering the community in the community's needs and informed by the community. So there's a lot of different ways that we measure success. Um, the numbers are great, but as you know, the numbers can be impacted by so many things. But then there's also other areas of impact that we also um, look at very closely is the collaboration that happens between the organizations that actually come to the, to the event. So for example, if HopeLink is able to connect with KCPN or with um, King County Public Health, and they're able to collaborate on other projects, that is also a level of success and impact that we feel really proud to be able to share with all of you and with the community. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Cecilia. This was wonderful to hear about this. I have one question I have is, I know it's been organized by the promotors, but I presume this event is for the entire community. And and yeah. I was curious about like last year and this year, like what's the distribution of, you know, um, I would say different kind of communities, ethnic communities in the area that, you know, you've seen show up for this uh, event? Yes. So we have distributed, and I think I showed you in one of the slides, over 5,000 flyers in our top five languages. Um, this year, well, every year, we're integrating more and more organizations that cater to specific communities within the East Side, and particularly in the area of Kirkland. And um, one of the pieces that we're implementing more and more is being able to evaluate and come back with numbers, with um, statements from the various communities that come out to support the event, whether they are exhibitors, participants, or they actually get a service, some, some resource out of the, um, the health fair. So we are growing more. As you can see, we're projecting 20% uh, growth this year. So I'm sure next year we can come back and give you some more numbers on the impact that we've had in the different communities that we've engaged. And three, yeah. I think I've shared some of the, the that data and I can certainly share it again. Um, Cecilia, sorry, I don't mean to. We no, do, it's fine. So, so the health fair in the last few years has provided um, or given out surveys 
And those are really focused because I think the in, from the inception, it was um, really access to, to in-language services was a huge thing, right? So we also, that's one of the questions, what language was accessed, um, if any, from the ones that were offered. So I can share that with you. And it's, uh, it's you know, just this huge array of, of different folks from different areas, from different backgrounds. Um, so we do have that data and I can share it with you. That would be great. Thank you. I have a question. Hi, Cecilia. Um, this is Jonathan Stutz. Nice to see you again. Um, so can you help me understand the process you go through to select the date for the event? So um, we, it, this is all community driven. Community has, um, from the 2020-2022 um, assessment that we, could, that we did, community assessment, there was a lot of information that the community gave us. They gave us information around what kind of services they felt that were needed in the area, particularly on the east side, but more specifically in Kirkland. They also gave us information about what are the times of the day, days of the week that work best because of um, work schedules, because of school schedules, because of all those different things. So the date um, usually in the fall is because we have flu season coming up. And so it's around that area. So we want to make sure that is children in um, are beginning to go to go back to school and as parents are becoming more exposed to germs. And also as fall is coming and the weather changes, we want it to be proactive in preventing some of those um, flu and allergies um, that come up from, from that season. So that's part of the equation. The other part is the information that we got from community. I see. And did you happen to check it like a diversity calendar to see if there are any major holidays that conflict with the day? I don't remember. Annie, do you remember if we checked? Are the there some, I Jonathan? Pardon me? Yeah, I hate, to pour I hate to pour cold water on the event. But um, you've actually scheduled it on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. It's the Jewish New Year. And so um, this is uh, kind of a sore point for a lot of folks in the Jewish community that this time of year, in fact, the University of Washington many years ago scheduled their first day of class on the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah. And they got quite a bit of uh, feedback from the uh, and they don't, they won't do that again. So just, you know, um, sometimes these things can't be avoided, but um, it's paramount to putting, you know, an event like this on Christmas morning. So, um, from this Christian religion perspective or Easter Sunday. So um, you may just want to be aware of that, that it's ironic that we have Chabad of Seattle presenting to us today, one of the leaders in the Jewish community. So um, uh, yeah, that's it's kind of a miss. And uh, it's um, it would be great if in the future, if you could check the major holidays that are occurring when the event's happening. So we avoid these kinds of, uh, um, you know, uh, issues. Appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you very much because, you know, we are here all to learn and grow. So I appreciate the call out so that we can be more mindful and more attentive to those details for sure. Thank you. I, uh, I want to echo what Jonathan said, but I also have to admit that I also just learned something very important there, and I have been the same boat, and um, I'm also learning growing along with you. Uh, I want to thank you for your time tonight, and see if there's anyone else with any more questions.
We'll give them about a minute. I, I did have a follow-up question. I mean, you said there's a number of exhibitors. Are you yes. is it closed right now? You're still looking for more exhibitors? Are there agencies that you're not? I'm just asking because in case there are agencies you're looking to get and we have, you know, we have connections there we could help. So I'm just curious. Thank about you. That. Yeah, thank you so much for that offer. So we we do have limitations as far as space is concerned. So we have a limited number of exhibitors that we're able to house because we are um, we're going to be based at, at Juanita High School. And there is a lot of different components to the event that we have to be mindful about, like the, the services that we're providing on site occupied quite a bit of a space. And we're now we have a plan A and a plan B because of the weather. Hopefully, if we go with plan A, which is expanding to the outside of Juanita High School in, in a little area, then we, we would have more space and we'll be, be able to increase the number of exhibitors that we have. But as you know, weather in Seattle is very un unpredictable around this time. So we're hoping that we can have a little more um, a space and in, in open it up for more uh, exhibitors. But I would love to take your information. And then if we do have space, I can reach out and be able to ask you for some feedback Sounds and some good. connections. Thank you. Sri uh, might be writing his email to you in a chat, but just in case, Sri, may you do that for her? Yep. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. I have a question as well. So one of my concerns is not within your control. Uh, it's more on the Lake Washington School District and the construction company they're contracting with. Currently, um, as of Sunday evening, um, I noticed a big portion of their parking lot was under construction. And my assumption is, hey, school's coming up, so they're going to be done by then, right? Um, but is there any communication from the construction company, the district, of when that will be done? And is there a plan if that won't be done in time? Uh, just think of worst case scenario. Well, you know, we are doing a uh, walk through the school, so we should be able to um, call attention to that if that's going to be a problem. I know mm -hmm. it's happening this week. I think it's tomorrow. Um, so yeah, is that is that Juanita High School specific, Tori? I don't know about other high schools. It was, uh, I think the answer is yes. And um, the context is that I was at Juanita High School at 7 p.m. for a meeting. And I just, I saw a lot of the parking lot near where the pool is, uh, where near the field house was under construction. And it's something that I think won't be an issue for you, but just in case, like, hey, just uh, something on your radar. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. No problem. Cecilia, are you still looking for volunteers as well? Yes. Um, so I did invite all of you to please join us. If you would like to volunteer, I put my um, email in the chat, but I can share it to everyone. Um, please reach out. We do have a website that I can forward to you the link to, and then you can sign up. And if you know of any other groups that might want to sign up and volunteer, we welcome them as well. Um. Maybe we could do this right now. Uh, may we get hands raised for people that think they will be showing up that day? Uh, this will help us determine if we're going to have quorum. So we got two. Okay. Um, 
So, I plan on showing up too. Okay. Well, yeah, that I I could see you there. So we got three. That's good news. One, one quick question, Cecilia: Are you able to share the organization that will be the mentee part of the mentorship yes. process? Yes. Thank you. So um, we have this opportunity to mentor uh, a group, a community group or an organization so that they can learn everything that we have learned coordinating this event, planning for the event, and then implementing and reviewing uh, the event. Um, this year, we have selected Friends, um, sorry, I have Friends of Youth in mind, is not Friends of Youth, is Youth, youth Eastside Services, um, the Latino Heat, and um, they are a youth-led group. They are based out of several um, high schools, including Bellevue and Kirkland. And what we're looking at is helping them understand how we center community when we plan these events, how we how community informs the event, and then also how we bring community along with us throughout the event um, so that they can easily take over the event, coordinate their own events, be able to connect with partners that can help them in grow the event. If they want to have their own, they can do that as well. We're looking at growing our impact and also growing the knowledge base that we have accumulated. So passing it on to other groups so that, so that they can also serve as the community. Well, thank you so much again, Cecilia. I'm just gonna open the for one more time and see if there's any more questions. Uh, I'll throw it out there that I'd like to volunteer that day and look forward to seeing you that day. Do we have any more questions for our guest? Okay, thanks again for joining us. Uh, you're welcome to stay if you want, but if you feel like you want to get some rest or dinner, feel free to <laughs> go do your thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you, Cecilia. One second, everyone. Okay, next, I'd like to welcome Rabbi Rivkin from the Shabbat of Kirkland Center, Jew uh, Center for Jewish Life to talk about uh, their work. Uh, Rabbi, do you need a minute? Okay, yeah, I, I like it. Um, would you like to share your screen? Okay. Um, no, I, I'm just going to speak. Okay. I'm just going to talk, and uh, if anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to bring them up. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for having me tonight. Um, I know we were going back and forth already, uh, last second missed, um, uh, this meeting twice, the June and July. Um, I just want to speak about, I'm not sure what was, what am I interrupting in the middle, but, uh, about the work of the community support program, which is under the Chabad of Kirkland, Chabad of Kirkland. We are the, um, premier Jewish organization. Um, of Ian Kirkland in the Northeast side area, um, established about seven or eight years ago. Um, with this, whenever we established the Jewish community in Kirkland, uh, people started turning to us, um, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, to get financial support um, in many areas, you know, people who need help. Now, this is not our main focus. Our main focus is Jewish community, uh, uh, Hebrew school, 
camps, you know, many, many programs that we do throughout the year. But um, this is, I would say, maybe 10% of our of our budget, of our ongoing budget, is the community support program. A few months ago, uh, someone brought it up to our attention about this beautiful program that the city is offering, uh, the human services, to help to participate, to partner with organizations like us. So I'm here today to present whatever we do, and I hope that there's a way that um, well, the city can collaborate, can partner with us to help us to help uh, local people in need um, in the community. Um, in the beginning, we used to give um, to give people literally food, boxes of food, but after a few months, we realized that uh, people don't like it. You know, in Judaism, Judaism teaches us when you give something to someone, trying to help someone, Think about the recipient. Think about the person who is receiving the help and how would how would he love to get it? What would be the best way for him to receive it? So um, we made a decision, not me personally, but uh, the people are involved, that a better, better way to help would be to give them gift cards to local businesses, to local stores, uh, Fred Meyer, QFC, um, safe way to go shop and get whatever they like. Instead of me getting bread, flour, butter, whatever it is for them, they should go shop. They want a sweater, go get a sweater. They want shoes, go get shoes. Whatever you feel like you need, go get it. Here is some money for you. Now, I know with the city, I mean, it's a... I would say it's a program. It's only once every, um, I believe, two years, yeah. But um, I don't know. I hope if there's a way that uh, you guys can help us in the last few months, um, I would say a year, we're getting so many requests, so many messages from people, not necessarily Jewish people, that are turning to the Jewish community um, for help. And we are looking for help. We are looking to grow this program, we're looking to be in a position to respond to as many requests as possible. Um, a lot of young mothers, a lot of families with kids, a lot of seniors, and I'm looking to hear back from you. What would be the best way that we could partner in this program and help more people? So before we go to commissioners with questions uh, for our, our guest, Rabbi, um, Rivkin, uh, I would ask staff if they would first like to respond and uh, explain what are our options as a city and as a commission. And um, if we don't know right now, um, I mean, that's okay, but we can follow up. But I was going to ask, um, what, what, are, what can we do given whatever constraints we have? I can jump in and speak to that. Hi, Rabbi Rifkin. I'm Jen. I know we've been emailing, so it's good to see you on screen. At good least. to see you. Um, so normally when we have organizations that are interested in funding or partnering outside of the application cycle, which we do in partnership with 16 other cities in King County, what we'll often do is have staff work with the agency to prepare a letter that speaks to why um kind of the, the ask didn't come through the application cycle. And then based on leadership guidance, we can always take it to city council 
and they can make a decision to allocate special funding. Um, so it would most likely go through city council. Um, the only other opportunities there are for funding is if additional funding comes up that's unexpected and that um, if it was human services related in nature, this group would receive the recommendations and then prepare recommendations to go to city council. So that's something we could explore with you as staff um, if you're interested in kind of looking at what those options look like. Yeah, could definitely explore the idea. Um, so Jen, could you repeat that one more time what the two options were? Was it, it sounds like there's basically two potential options. One is a letter that staff works with and speaks to council directly, um, if I'm mistaken, and one's more commission would recommend to the mm -hmm. council on um, their behalf. Yeah, so normally outside of the application cycle, which runs in tandem with our budget cycle, which is, that's very intentional if that's done simultaneously, there's two ways in which additional funding would be allocated. And we tell all organizations this because in the spirit of transparency, we want all organizations to have the opportunity. If there is additional funding that's made available, so a great example is during COVID, the city received a lot of funding outside of kind of that two-year budget cycle. And so what staff would do is put together recommendations based on the partnerships and relationships they have, knowing what the need is, and bring it to the commission here and say, here's our recommendations of how we would spend this funding. The commission would have a discussion. The commission would finalize recommendations and it would go to city council. City council would approve it. The other alternative is if an agency is seeking emergency funding or has some sort of reason as to why they did not apply during the application cycle, and they could always put together a letter that city council could review and make the decision if they wanted to choose to fund it or not. I can say historically, um, the emerge it has to be some sort of emergency funding in nature or addressing a need that they feel like is urgent and cannot wait until 2025 in this instance, right? So, um, and that's something that normally staff would explore with the organization and kind of help provide some guidance and recommendation on what should be included in that letter um, for council consideration. Okay, that's uh, something definitely that uh, I'll be very happy to follow up with you. Um, as soon as maybe tomorrow, uh, whatever, I'll show you an email later. But um, let's go back a second to um, the grant um, opportunity that I believe uh, you guys are talking about. So, um, well, I mean, as a smaller organization, you know, usually, um, and I believe I had some conversations with um, other people about that in the city, um, Usually, I feel like there's not enough space for communities like us, where our main focus is not necessarily on, on you know, doing it all day. You know what I mean? This is not our main job or our main project. And I know there's a lot of concerns. And again, I'm sharing it because people express that to me, that, you know, it's a religious organization and could be the helping only uh, their um, uh, you know, there are people, but this is not the case. And my question is, 
how could be what would be the way to improve um you know our request or our application in order to I can't even imagine I can't even think about 2025 right now. You know, 2025 it's like so far, but we have people now that are waiting for response. We have people, you know, every week, every day, every month that are awaiting. So so the question is how could we, what would be the best way for us to create this partnership, um, this long-term partnership with the city? I'll let um, Jen answer this as well. Yeah, so we can definitely kind of talk you through what the application timeline is. 2025 does feel very far away and the application actually will open up in quarter one of next year. So the kind of primary function of the commission here, this group of um, lovely Kirkland residents, their task next year is to review all of the applications received for grant funding for 25 and 26. And it takes about start to finish about nine months to review all the applications and put together recommendations. This group can speak to um, the framework that they used last year for 23, 24 grant recommendations. They were very intentional in prioritizing dollars to smaller organizations and looking very intentionally in which communities and which populations maybe are not having um, fair access or equitable access to services that are appropriately suited for their needs. And so um, several of the commissioners here can speak to that, so I'm not going to speak on their behalf, but they're very intentional in investing dollars in organizations of all sizes, addressing a wide variety of needs. They're very intentional in their conversations and reflecting on kind of what are the requirements for accessing services. So one of the things that would most likely come up with your application is kind of, you know, what are the requirements for accessing services? Do they serve everyone? What does that look like? Um, and so those kinds of questions they're able to talk about in this forum, which is open to anyone. And we do invite organizations to come in when their applications are being discussed um, that will allow them to provide feedback if there's questions that staff can't answer. Staff are also able to reach out to the organizations to pose questions that came up from this group to make sure they have the most information before they make final decisions. Yeah, I, um, I'd, I'd like to open the, the floor also to Jonathan, Gildas, and Gabby and uh, sharing your experience if you feel comfortable talking about how addressing the concerns of a smaller organization that this is not their main function. Uh, currently, 10% of their budget's going towards uh, what may be considered like what we might consider human services, but it's a really good cause. Um, and also a religious organization where the organization feels that there might be like some concern there too. Uh, may uh, one or all of you just kind of reflect on your experience with uh, maybe not naming the specific organizations, but similar experiences we have. All right, Gabby. Uh, first of all, I would like to tell you, Rabbi, thank you very much for uh, coming here and for being open to the community's needs and, and to hear what is happening. Uh, a lot of organizations like yours that are not dedicated to that kind of uh, service 
or their mere focus is not that service are receiving the same claim or, or ask for help from the community. And I would like to thank you for being open and bringing up all those issues to us today. Uh, thank you for, for, for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that uh, it's public record in, in, this, in the webpage of the city of Kirtland. Maybe we can provide a link uh, of how many organizations were approved last year. Uh, and we focused on big and small organizations. We gave a, a we were very intentional on, on also uh, selecting organizations that were not being funded before, organizations that are uh, focusing on specific communities that are not being attended or have not been receiving services for many reasons mm -hmm. of equity or not being able to access due to several barriers. So mm -hmm. uh, we, we received 109 applications and Jen helped me with the number that were approved. I think it was on the 90 something that uh, were passed for, for, for approval. And well, I think if you um, put the, your, your application, we will, uh, we will analyze it. 79 received funding. So, and I think one of the major things that I can share is that we made recommendations to city council to expand the funding because the needs are very great, are very big. And we received the support from city council to expand somehow the budget. And what we were able to, well, the city money is able to provide those organizations. And if may I ask a question, uh, what are you, what are you doing now with all those uh, requests that you're getting from the community, uh, are you aware or connected to other organizations or are you aware of the organizations that are receiving city funds to help maybe the, the people that are trying to reach out to you? And I don't know if you're aware of those. So my job, yeah, our job over here is not necessarily to, um, you know, to refer people, I'm sure people are reaching out to us, also reaching out to other organizations and are seeking assistance. Um, our job is to try to filter those requests and to prioritize those who are in immediate need. And, you know, based on the funding we have available, try to do the best we can to help them as soon as possible. It's, uh, I would say, case by case being reviewed and being answered. And unfortunately, sometimes we just, you know, we 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 can't help. We just don't have the fund for it. It's something that we are trying to grow, trying to do the best we can, but we are very limited, and that's why I'm here today. I understand. Thank you. No, again, we're trying to. We, our our focus is necessarily to to send people to our organizations, but to be the response to find more funding to help people through our organization. If this makes sense. Yes. Thank you. 
And, and Rabbi, I also included the link to the dashboard I think Gabby was talking about that really gives kind of more granular information about the who and the how much and uh, yeah, I see our it. funding. Thank you. Jonathan? Sure, thanks. Um, hello, Rabbi. Nice to see you again. Um, so this, I'm Jonathan Stutz, and I am... Um, a uh, member of the, the Jewish community here as well. And uh, the, one of the things I'm wondering about, and this is kind of for both for Jan as, as Annie and, and all team, is um, do we have any kind of like a agency fair or something where we kind of bring people together at a time where we kind of explain them the, the, the you know, before we get into the actual applications that there's a time where we, at scale, so we could scale it. You're not having one at a time come in and have to explain the whole process and, what you can do ahead of time is there a way to communicate like where everybody would come in who's interested in getting funding and be briefed on the whole process and and an orientation if you will and then that's one part and the second part is do we ever have a buddy system like where a new organization can be mentored by another organization that has gone through the process um just a couple ideas and a question great question i'll start and annie can jump in and add what i forget so we put together normally an information session of the for the fall prior to the application opening. So this fall, there will be an information session that all the city staff come together and put together a presentation. We record it so you can watch it at any time in case you're not able to attend for whatever reason. We also put together small kind of vignette videos of how to look at certain parts of the application. And then we have a landing page um, that kind of shows you what to expect before the application opens. And so staff can certainly send that to Rabbi so you can kind of start to look at those materials and digest it because it is a lot. Um, second question, Jonathan, it's a great question and it's not something that I would say is formal, but we've been able to kind of provide that support um, kind of more informally for organizations where it feels appropriately suited to kind of have that. Staff often provide a pretty heavy hand in that just because we have capacity to do that. But some of our larger organizations I know have brought smaller organizations in saying they need to apply for funding how can they get the resources or making that connection with other city staff? Mm -hmm. Great, thanks. So, and then I was just, go ahead. I just Danny. want to, let me fill in a little bit. So I, I included Rabbi the link to what we call the Share One app that has a lot of that information. I am happy to send that to you via email as well and, and have a, a, a chat with you anytime you want to, um, uh, set up some time. And there are different, if you go under help, you can get access to where the videos are under reporting requirements. So it has a lot of information. <clears throat> the other part I wanted to say was there is an organization called Communities Rise, and they will be um, coming to this Human Services Commission uh, in November to talk about the work that they do. And, and what they do is basically what you talked about. They work with smaller organizations who are new to the process and, and really give them um, a, a very um, hands-on um, uh, mentoring through that process. Now they just had a cohort finish up 
And I don't know if they're going to start another one here on the east side, but they are looking for folks who might be interested. So we can talk about that later and you can ask those questions when they come visit us in November. But that was really what you're talking about is that they explain all of the process, all of the components um, of, uh, of a nonprofit and what would be expected. Because there's also the reporting. When, when is that going to be in November? That's going to be on the 26th. Don't quote me on that. It's the fourth Tuesday in, in November. But Rabbi, I can keep you um, informed on that if you are interested and I can share that date. And then um, the other thing I was going to recommend was, um, well, if you start looking at that application and see kind of some of the questions that are on there, um, if I remember correctly, a lot of them are, are data focused. So you'd be in your best interest to start um, tracking uh, who's coming to you, what are the requests, what are they asking, you know, like how much or what are they you know, asking for, where are they, where do they, where do they reside? You'll see the questions. And because um, a lot of our, you know, because we're all, a lot of what we're doing when we're analyzing these is we do, we just start off looking at like, you know, the needs assessments that are done by different cities and different regions to get us an idea of what are the priorities. But then once we get to the applications, you can imagine with 109 of them last year, you know, we're trying to understand uh, who's providing the services to whom and how many. And then we're very focused on output, not just like delivering the service, but what's the impact you had how did you change lives with the work you're doing? So tracking outcomes is, is actually almost more important than tracking activity. So activity is good to have. So we get an idea of volume and size and scale. Um, and uh, But then what are the impacts you're having? And that can be both you know, in stories, a narrative with individual stories, or in, in, in obviously you know, we look too at uh, what's the actual data that you're showing. You know, you, you've lifted this many people up and how did you do it? So anyway, you look at the questions and you'll get a better idea. But um, okay, you know, that it's it's makes sense. I mean, that's that's our main job is not necessarily to help people, um, but it's also to help them get out of a situation. That's to right. To walk them through it, that we shouldn't just be another stop, um, you know, in the train, but be the one actually going to walk them out of whatever they're going through. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I know I asked um, through chat if you had another question. Um, so I'm just double checking. No, sorry, Again, I, I, I had lower my hand. I'm, I'm going to lower yeah, my hand. Sorry. But, yeah, I um, I doubted myself on that one because I thought I thought you took it down and put it back up, but I wasn't quite sure. Uh, Commissioner Jenkins, Christian uh, Sri, do you have any questions? Gildas. No questions for me. Thank you for sharing. I was actually taking notes on some of the stuff that was being shared. But yeah, no questions. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, no questions for me. Um, I think a lot of my points uh, was answered by Gabby and Jonathan uh, about regarding the framework that we used uh, in the last grant cycle. So I got a comment and then a, a, a question. So the comment is... Um... As someone that's reviewed grants, what I think is a strength of yours is that, like, although you're helping more people than within just the Jewish community, um, I know very little about like that community compared to others. There's uh, an incredibly important holiday coming up in September that I didn't know about. I also mispronounced Chabad. Uh, hope I'm saying that right. I said I, I use the sh, uh, ch in there. 
And my point being is that when I review grants and I see that there's people that understand these communities are part of the communities like you are, then I feel like I could trust them to know how to help these people more than I can or the general public or people that aren't as connected to community like you are. So I'd say that that's not a weakness, that's a strength. And I would not shy away from like communicating with cities that, hey, we're very proud of this community. We're a part of it. This is who we're serving. We also help others. We're like Jonathan was saying, we've begun tracking this, but I, I, I would I'd definitely go with that. My, my question though is um, two questions. Why gift cards versus giving like cash or visas? And with gift cards, like say it's Fred Meyer, does Fred Meyer offer, um, does Fred Meyer offer you any like donated gift cards by chance or do they sure. give you discount? Oh, okay. Sure. We have, we have uh, uh, individuals and businesses, that, including Fred Meyer. It's not Fred Meyer. It's uh, the Kroger, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the headquarters, whatever it works for QFC and mm-hmm. Fred Meyer and some other stores that, that sure, they gave us uh, in the past, they gave us some gift cards. Nice. Yeah. But uh, I just want to conclude. Uh, there was a holy Jewish sage with the name of the Baal Shem Tov that he once said that when two individuals are t- sitting and talking about how to help a third fellow, they, that creates a moment of joy in the heavens. So we're sitting here. You guys are sitting here for an hour. And I'm sure this is not the first time. And the entire meeting is about discussing how to help not only one, two, or five individuals, but to help many. And I'm sure this moment, this meeting right now brings a lot of moments, of a lot of joy in the heavens. And I want to give you guys a blessing as you continue to do whatever you do and be a source of inspiration for the community. Continue help, continue help a lot of people for many, many years. And I'm really happy I was here today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm looking forward to meet with you probably in November uh, to discuss this opportunity, continue to discuss it, and explore the wonderful idea. Thank you, Rabbi. Rev. good. Thank you. Have a good one. Um, so thank you again, Rabbi Rifkin, for sharing your time with us this evening. This closes the special presentations for the evening and moves us on to the business items. So with business, the Human Services Commission will now hold a public hearing on Kirkland's proposed distribution of 2024 Community Development Block Grant funds. And we'll now open the hearing. We will begin with the present with a presentation from staff for the 2024 Community Development Block Grant Public Hearing. Okay, let me my screen really fast. All right, can you see a slide deck that says 2024 Community Development Block Grant Public Hearing? We see your, your view. Oh, the presenter view. Yes. What about now? Perfect. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Perfect. You're good. Okay. 
So as a reminder, um, we did do a little bit of a background presentation on this before opening the public hearing tonight. So I am going to go through the recommendations that have been developed based on the information that was in the presentation at last month's meeting. So just a quick reminder of the 2024 dollars that are available. So we have three buckets within community development block grant funding that are capped around certain activities that we are limited in based on those three buckets of funding. So as a reminder, we do receive a larger portion, but because we are part of the King County Consortium, some of that money King County holds, and then there is an amount that we are allowed to um, put together recommendations of how um, we would like to see that money be distributed. And so we run those recommendations through this Human Services Commission before sending it to City Council for their review and approval. So the three buckets that we look at are around planning and administration, public services or human services, as well as capital projects. So for 2024, we have $284,781 available. And as you can see, we have kind of caps within each of these buckets that are outlined based on our participation within the consortium. So if you're wondering why these are the breakdowns that they are, they're all based on percentage caps that are outlined within our agreement with King County that are directed by HUD. So we're going to get into the nuances of kind of what, what do these buckets actually mean? What would they actually be going towards? So the first bucket is around planning administration. So that's $43,306. This is to support both King County and Kirkland Human Services staff. So both King County, um, as well as some of the folks within the Human Services Division here at the city are really doing the behind the scenes admin work to make sure that these dollars are being properly distributed and then ultimately reported back to HUD. So part of this amount supports King County staff because they do our contracting um, on behalf of um, kind of HUD. So we don't have to do a lot of that reporting. They also take the lead in all of the reporting for countywide data and being able to kind of do those reports and auditing um, at the federal level. At the more local level, um, the human services staff members where um, the funding supports our work is we support the contract with King County, as well as the contract of the agency that is identified to receive the human services dollars. So making sure that that agency is aware of the federal reporting requirements, that they are keeping up with the contracting requirements, which do look different than our um, funding contracts that we have for the rest of our contracts within kind of the larger general fund pool, and then making sure that all of their reporting um, which is a little bit more intensive than what we currently ask for with the rest of our contracts, making sure that that looks all good to go so then we can submit that back to the county and they can submit it to HUD. Are you moving forward in the presentation? I am. Can you not see it? No, we're still on the first slide. Really? Huh. You're not seeing me move my screen. You just moved it. I saw it change. 
Do you see the $3 amounts right now? Yeah, $3 in the total. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So then the second bucket is the public services dollars, which is where this comes into one of the agencies that went through the 23-24 recommendations process, receives a portion of its funds. So over the last several cycles, we have always supported homeless providers. Um, there's several reasons for this. Um, the first as serving kind of the population that is defined as homeless is a presumed benefit population. Um, which is a definition that um, the federal government uses. And what it is, is within calling a certain population presumed benefit, it actually lessens the reporting requirements when it comes to income verification. So in supporting one of our homeless providers with these dollars, we are not requiring an agency or clients who are participating and receiving services to go through the very intensive process of income verification like some of our other programs have to for things like financial assistance, so rent assistance. So this is a very intentional choice that the city has made in the sense that we recognize that the reporting requirements that are asked for in order to receive these dollars requires very specific um, timekeeping controls as well as auditing measures in place and there are very few agencies that are interested in receiving these dollars. Many of our homeless providers here on the east side are larger agencies that are very aware and comfortable and have the systems in place to receive federal funding and have the ability to track it separately. So we're not asking them on top of receiving $40,000 to put together all of these additional kind of systems and control measures in place. So historically, we have always chosen a homeless provider to receive these dollars because it's one of the easier um, agencies that is willing to receive the dollars. The other consideration um, that has come up is there are many programs that have to be mindful of how many federal dollars that they receive in a calendar year. If an agency receives over $750,000 in federal funding, they have to go through what's called a single audit which is a much more intensive audit that requires significant staff time and capacity um, because they, the federal government is concerned about fraud and potential other issues. So we always are very selective about the program that we're awarding these dollars to, to be mindful of not putting them over that threshold because it takes a lot of time and energy and staff capacity for $40,000. So it tends to be a pretty, I would say, imbalanced trade-off. So for 2024, um, we're recommending that these dollars go to the Congregations for the Homeless 24-7 Enhanced Shelter Program. So this was part of the discussion of the commission for the 23-24 recommendations um, that they would be recommended to receive these funds as part of their overall award. So if they were, if it was chosen that um, the commission did not recommend moving forward with these dollars, we would need to find this amount elsewhere in order to um, be able to contract for 2024 at the full amount that we recommended and received approval for this program for 2024. The final bucket um, is around capital projects. So you'll see here that we're recommending um, taking the $193,227 to ARCH um, which stands for a regional coalition of housing. So ARCH is 
kind of the leading funder um, and holder of affordable housing developing dollars for East King County. So they do have a partnership with King County and are able to receive dollars from 16 cities throughout the north and east ends of King County to pool those dollars and streamline the application process for any affordable housing developer that's looking to preserve existing affordable housing or build new affordable housing or renovate. So they have worked really intentionally over the last, gosh, probably 10 years at this point, to really streamline these efforts to make it easier and also be able to work with other funding partners. So the King County, as well as the Housing Trust Fund at the state level to help support the success of East King County projects. They also do a lot of technical assistance and they have a similar um, body like the commission here at the city. So they have a community advisory board that releases an application and then they review applications for projects each year. Because Kirkland is a member of ARCH, um, we do commit a certain amount of dollars each year to that pot of money. And with that membership, once the board has finalized its recommendations, they then go on a roadshow to all the different member cities and kind of similar to what we do for our human services grants, they talk about the applications that they received and how they landed on their final recommendations. So Kirkland does get to have an input on how kind of the, the broader pool of money is used, but we do actively contribute to that every single year. So the next steps, um, assuming the commission approves the recommendations tonight, is city council would receive the recommendations at its September 19th meeting. And then following um, the resolution that would be passed at the city council meeting, staff would then submit um, our packet of intent of how the city anticipates planning to spend our 2024 CDBG dollars. Any questions? Hi, Jen. So I'm going to just repeat the question, the discussion we had last time and say, so I'm going to take it from this that staff did the due diligence and there are no other viable organizations for either the human services bucket or the capital projects bucket. Is that accurate? There are other organizations that could receive the human services dollars. What we normally do is prioritize our four homeless providers on the east side. So there's the family shelter, the women's shelter, youth, and men's. Two of those organizations hover at that $750,000 threshold. And then um, the women's shelter has received the funding in the past. So we are currently prioritizing the men's shelter for funding. So there are other options, but we have chosen based on those considerations. Okay, thank you. That helps a lot. So when you said we funded them before, would that be last year? Like, I'm just curious, the women's shelter you said were funded before. Was that last year? The women's shelter received CDBG funding, I believe, for the 21-22 um, funding cycle. So we rotate. So not one agency has to do the federal reporting each cycle. Makes sense. Okay, thank you, that helps. Of course. 
Any other questions? It looks like we don't have any more questions from commissioners uh, for staff yet. Uh, please interrupt me, anyone. If I oh, Gabby raised her hand. She uh, physically raised her hand. Got it, Gabby. I cannot raise my hand with the mouse, so that's why I did it with my hand. Uh, Jen, uh, you mentioned that Arch um, does as we do. Uh, they have like a summary of what they do with the money and. I guess that is public record or something that is open. So is is there a way that we I can get a link or we can get a link or 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 when that information is published, we can look at it and and see what is the impact that they are having in the community. I'll do you one better. They're coming to the commission meeting next month, so ah, they'll be perfect. able to tell you all about it. Perfect. Thank you. We will set. We will include some materials in the commission packet. Um, and then I can also pull some of the information that they include when they present to city council every year, if that would be of interest. It's a very similar process to what this body does. So they have a group, they put together the recommendations, they approve them, and then each of the cities kind of serves in the same fashion of our city council. So they have to get approval from 16 city councils in order to distribute the funding. Thank you. Uh, any other questions from commissioners? As okay. I'm just thinking, sorry, just to share with Gabby in the group. Um, one of the recommendations that came out of the money last year for ARCH was actually to support the renovation of Kirkland Heights, which is an affordable housing um, property here in Kirkland. So they're looking to renovate and also expand the amount of units that they currently have. So that project receives significant funding. So our dollars contribute to that on top of the other member cities to support um, the full funding of that project, just as an example. I don't know if uh, this would go down the rabbit hole, but um, would that be suggesting that um, there's a field in that area and like a, a grass field and imagine like when you say expanding, would that mean more units that would go onto the field or would that be to be determined? And um, yeah, that's my question. Great question. Um, they're actually building up, not out. So they went through a zoning process and they're able to build higher. So it'll be more dense. No, when we include the information in the packet, when ARCH comes, we'll include the addresses so you can see where the projects are currently located. You can also type in Kirkland Heights and kind of see where it is on the map. All right, well, this meeting is completely virtual, so no one is able to participate in person. However, the public can comment by Zoom or telephone. So we'll ask for anyone that is with us potentially to please limit remarks to three minutes. If you are participating by Zoom, please click the participant box to raise your hand uh, to be recognized. For those participating by phone, please dial star nine to be recognized to speak. Folks are welcome to listen to the meeting without speaking. 
Human Services Coordinator Amanda Judd will be reading the list of names for public comment in order in which they are received. Again, if you are participating by Zoom, please click the participant box to raise your hand. Um, um, Amanda, do we have anyone from the public? No, there's no one currently uh, waiting to be uh, in our attendees. Okay, so just double checking and if you spot anyone um, with a hand, let me know. Uh, do we have anyone from the commission that has further questions on this matter? With that, at this time, um, the commission is being asked to provide a recommendation to the city council. Would someone like to make a motion? Sri? You're on mute. Yeah, I make the motion to submit uh, the staff recommendation to the city council. Do we have a second? I'll second. All right, Gilda seconds. Um, raise your hand or say aye if you vote yes. Aye. Aye. Um, aye. Say no or uh, do a thumbs down if you want no. And um, say I abstain if you abstain or if you have not voted, simply stay silent. Okay, uh, I believe the eyes have it. Then we are recommending the staff. We are recommending the staff's presentation or recommendation to the city council. And for more fun, next on the agenda um, is preparing the commission's joint meeting with the city council on Tuesday, October third. So if you have not put this on your calendar, I would do so now. Tuesday, October 3rd with the City Council, the staff have a brief presentation before opening it up to the group to identify topics for discussion and related materials needed in advance of the study session. Sorry, Tori, what time is the meeting? I don't know. Uh, staff, what time is the meeting? 5.30 uh, Tuesday, p.m. October 3rd. What time? 5.30 p.m. Thank you. To 6.30? Uh, to seven. Okay, thank you. And it will be at City Hall. So I need to confirm if it's going to be in the Peter Kirk room or council chambers. It will be one or the other, but one's upstairs, one's downstairs. Well, I had it on my calendar for 5.30 a.m., so I'm glad to hear it's p.m. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am just going to jump into quick, quick slide deck just to try to give some context. Um, there are a couple of folks on the commission that have participated in joint meetings in the in the past. So I'm hoping you can also give some flavor to this because this is also my first time doing this. Um, but just want to give a little bit of background and kind of some considerations before we open it up for discussion to kind of finalize the talking points that you want for council and then what information uh, we can prepare as part of the packet for both yourselves and city council ahead of that conversation so it can be successful and productive. So I'm going to share my screen. I don't know why the slides aren't moving, so just holler at me if they are not moving again. 
for whatever reason, whenever I share in this format, it gets really wonky. Excuse me. All right. Are you seeing the presenter view or the correct view? <laughs> I think the presenter view. Okay. No, we're seeing your slides with the um with the slides, uh, all the slides on the left. So kind of before for presenter view. Thank you, Jonathan. Sorry. Oh, no worries. And now switch, it'd be good. Thank you. Okay. Nope, you gotta. Your, we see your second slide as well as your first slide. So you need to, yeah, there you go, swap. Good. Huh. I saw what you did, but it didn't change anything. Yeah, that's what's throwing me off. Let me try this. Hmm. Try one more time. Weird. Yeah, I don't know why it does. That usually works. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry about this. Let's see. I don't know. Nothing. Uh, you're not sharing. We don't see anything. Not sharing. For the record, it was worth it because we got to see the cute dog. <laughs> that was worth the meeting. What about now? Wow. Why isn't it working? It's go. working. Yay. Oh, I swear Thanks. I'm a millennial. Okay. Okay. So just some brief background here. And I did advance the slide. Let me know if it didn't move. So quick background, um, the Human Services Commission was established as an official commission in 2017. So in 2018, ahead of the 2019-2020 application review process, the Human Services Commission had their first joint meeting. And some of the topics that um, were included were really focused on preparing city council to receive the grant recommendations. So there was a focus on the work plan since the group was fairly new and also looking at the level of need compared to the current funding levels. So being able to prepare a city council for, we received X amount in requests and we are able to fund X amount with the budget available. 
So what that normally looks like historically with this group is walking through several priority areas to help kind of guide the commission's development of their recommendations and also tee up the opportunity to ask city council to allocate additional one-time funding if the commission feels like it's appropriate based on the requests received. So there was a conversation around kind of that one-time funding process that we currently use and council gave direction that they were interested in the commission preparing recommendations in kind of two formats. And for those of you who are here last year, you know how we had option A, option B, option C. That really came out of that conversation back in 2018. One of the other things that they talked about that the commission was really interested in was greater participation by the commission and in city initiatives that focused on Kirkland being a safe, welcoming, and inclusive community. So fast forward to 2023, the next time that the commission would have met with city council would have been in the middle of the pandemic. And because of the pandemic, there were several restrictions in place around in-person meetings. And so for several years, city council has not hosted joint meetings with any boards or commissions here at the city. They had um, most recently the planning commission and then the senior council, and those were within the last couple months of this year. So it's had a pretty significant impact on really being able to foster kind of a more informal discussion between both city council and the advisory boards and commissions that we have. So some of the considerations that I want this group to hold ahead of that discussion are a few things. The commission has not met with city council since the pandemic. And we all know, um, especially those who went through the grants process last year, the pandemic has significantly changed the services landscape the needs that are out there and the threshold overall of just greater community need. We saw over and over again applications saying we have the most requests we've ever had for support. We're struggling with keeping staff and we're just not able to keep up and we're tired, right? And so kind of holding that piece and reminding this group that we had $8 million in funding requests that were submitted for 23-24. And despite this group receiving historical additional one-time funding from the council, we still funded less percentage-wise than we ever have, which just speaks to the level of need that is out there. And despite having close to $3 million per year to support, there's still about a million, a million and a half per year that is not being met. So the other piece that staff have heard a lot and we're seeing a lot on our quarterly reports from agencies is there is a lot of one-time pandemic funding that has been out there for three years at this point, And a lot of that funding has ended. It's dried up and there is no more coming. There's a lot of organizations that were able to staff up. They were able to provide more months of assistance and with this one-time funding dried up, there's a large gap that's currently sitting in a lot of organizations' budgets. Let's say they increase, like this is an example. We have one organization that increased the base salary of all of their case managers as a way of addressing retention and trying to have a more market value salary. 
And they did that with one-time pandemic funding and they have enough to do it for four years. But beyond that four years, they're not sure how they're going to sustain those dollars. The other piece that I think is helpful, and this group has talked a lot about kind of asking ourselves, what is the need of the community? How do we create priorities when there is so much need? We want to support all of these organizations. And yet there do have to be hard conversations and decisions that happen because there is a limited amount of funds that are available. So a lot of folks have asked, especially folks who more recently joined the committee, how do we know what the needs are of the community of Kirkland, of the East Side? So the most recent needs assessment that was completed with um, Kirkland specific data was in 2018. HopeLink, um, which is required to do a community needs assessment every five years um, based on some of the funding that they receive. They did release a report last year that we shared with the commission um, that elevated more recent data, but the data that they pulled was still from 2020. So as we know, with a lot of reports like needs assessments, it's the most relevant, uh, most up-to-date uh, document that we have, and yet that data is already three years old and really doesn't speak to the total impact that I think this group has seen as a result of the pandemic. So the other thing of just kind of considering you know, the things you want to talk about with city council is thinking about priority areas going into the 25-26 application cycle. So as a reminder, um, and also this is new information for some of the newer folks on the commission, there's kind of two priority areas that the commission focuses on. The first is from the city's comprehensive plan, which just overarchingly, and this is how all of our grants are talked within these five categories, is making sure that people have access to, to food and a roof overhead, so kind of housing and food stability, supportive relationships and sense of community belonging, being able to support survivors from violence and abuse, having access to healthcare, um, which also includes behavioral healthcare, and then a focus on education and employment opportunities. So kind of high arching um, areas of focus, those are the five categories that we tend to group applications under. But what this group goes through ahead of kind of what we call this being the education off year is based on the information that you've heard and the conversations that you've had, developing a list of supplemental priorities that you will share with city council when you share your recommendations around, here are some more kind of granular levels of focus that we wanted to invest funding in because of what we've learned and what we're hearing from those we're currently funding, from those who are interested in funding, from those who have come to the commission. So this is what that priority list looked like for 23-24. I think there's no surprise that there is a pretty significant focus on access to behavioral health services and then supporting the retention of behavioral health uh, staff. There was also a lot of interest in addressing food insecurity, investing in living wages for frontline workers. So workers who are on the ground providing direct service, doing case management, things like that continuing to support affordable housing programs and rent assistance, access to childcare, improved access to health services, 
and then investing and buy for organizations that are supporting communities that have been disproportionately impacted by racism, and then creating opportunities for people to connect coming out of the pandemic. So there are a lot of, um, I would say, clear examples. If you look at the commission's recommendations from 23-24, where you see this, the city council approved a historic amount of funding towards behavioral health services across the board, general access, supporting BIPOC communities and having workers that reflect the experiences and the voices of those that often experience more barriers. Um, the city also allocated um, full funding for all rent assistance requests for 23-24 because of this group. And then I would say most notably, um, we were able to adjust the framework and how the commission was allocating funding. And this commission approved funding to support 20% of its funding recommendations to go towards BIPOC organizations, which kind of how that um, kind of pans out compared to previous cycles, the most recent cycle, 21-22, there was a 9% of total funding recommendations that went to BIPOC organizations. So I'll basically double increase in kind of smaller organizations. I think Jory mentioned this earlier, two communities that are part of those communities, they understand the needs and they know how to provide those services. So those are just some key examples of some of the priorities that you had last cycle and could still be relevant for the upcoming cycle. So for this year, one of the areas of direction that the commission gave to staff on who to invite into this space this year were kind of three different categories. Um, there was a lot of conversation around, yeah, we've received a lot of presentations from organizations over the years. We would rather have a more intensive focus on organizations that we may not be familiar with that maybe experience more barriers when it comes to seeking city funding. So this group asked us to prioritize agencies that are receiving funding for the first time to hear how things are going. So a good example of that is For Tomorrow, who came in earlier this year. Another bucket was agencies that applied and did not receive funding. Um, so we had several agencies, about 35 agencies that did not receive funding. So an example there is Essentials First. And then finally, agencies interested in applying, but they did not. So uh, you had an example of that earlier this evening, as well as Immigrant Women's Community Center that came in last month. So again, holding less presentations, but also allowing for more honest conversation, kind of thought-provoking conversation, and to be able to have more of kind of a Q&A between the commission and the organization present. So these are some of the folks that have come in over the last year to kind of speak to different needs that we didn't necessarily see for this past cycle for 23-24 we will most likely anticipate seeing in 25 and 26. And we wanted to make sure they had an opportunity to share what they're seeing with this group since we don't receive reports from them because we're not currently funding them. So I'm going to wrap it up so y'all can have a discussion. But some of the questions that I think are helpful and kind of guiding this discussion is what have you learned this year that you want to share with city council around community need? Maybe what are some of the gaps that you want to share with them around community need, whether you've heard it in this space or in other spaces? What information from the previous grant cycle do you want to share with them? Is it helpful to 
show them the volume of applications and the total funding requests and how much you were able to fund, how much the base budget is, things like that, that staff can help pull for you to kind of help speak to that need. And then what do you want council thinking about ahead of the next grant application process next year? So that's really getting at recognizing that we don't know the amount of applications that we're going to get in 25, 26, but at the end of next year, Jory and I will be going to the city council with recommendations following your review of the applications. So what do you want them to remember from this conversation in October when we're presenting those recommendations in the fall of next year? So that will really help kind of have them kind of see the recommendations and say, oh yeah, I remember having this conversation. This is not surprising to me that they're asking for X amount of additional one-time funding, or they're really interested in a needs assessment and here's why. So those are some of the questions that I just wanted to pose to this group and kind of helping guide your conversation with them. And then also what materials we can give to city council in advance that you think would be helpful to move that conversation. So I'm going to stop talking and start taking some notes and I'll let you take it from here, Dory. Um, so before I ask anyone else, uh, I think that would be very helpful for us to focus. One of our focuses to be the number of applications we received and what we were not able to fund, what we were able to fund. I know that there are some uh, very financially responsible people on council and they will understand more if we present the numbers in front of them saying like hey this is the exact dollar amounts that we measured as an unmet need based on the applications we received and that's tied with the uncertainty that we don't know how many we'll receive the next cycle but based on previous cycles if we're able to show the number of applications increasing, I, I think that will help give them a forecast they can understand. That being said, what uh, what does the rest of the commission think? Questions, comments? Jory, can I just build on to that for a second, which is in addition to that information, what might be helpful as well is if there's a way to understand if the population that is served is different in the groups that weren't funded versus the groups that were funded, because you could look at it and be like, oh, well, you're not funding those because those are the population that they serve is served by the folks that are already funded, right? That could be a response. And I just want to make sure that we have thought about that response and have an appropriate rebuttal, so to speak. So a specific example that I would like to bring yeah. up. About the yeah, business. that's right. Like It's like this particular population is not serviced by any of our grantees. Mm -hmm. um, but, and we were not able to provide the grant to the organization that would have supported them. Um, so that that's all. It, it, just to give a, a, a clear example of one of the talking points that I, I would like us to consider bringing up is the Brazilian Community Services Organization uh, with the growing uh, Portuguese-speaking mm. population uh, needs that weren't met because we didn't fund... Um, I'll need to rethink the sense. Um, how much did we uh, fund for tomorrow? Did we not fund all their services? Because I felt like we did fund them, but I could be mistaken. 
We fully funded rent assistance. We partially funded their mental health and life services program. And for people that commissioners that don't quite know, For Tomorrow is a great organization that focuses more on like the Spanish speaking population and uh, we're able to address their community's needs pretty well. I'm talking too much. Uh, what else does do the other commissioners think or comments and questions? I think, Jody, I just want to jump on what you were talking about, about the need. And Jen was talking about this, too. Is there kind of a way for us to project what the need is likely to be for the next cycle and, you know, based on any past trends? And then what we I expect the budget is going to be less than the last cycle based on what Jen was saying about one-time pandemic funds and stuff like that, which really means we're kind of going to have like a a nightmare scenario when it comes to making decisions, a lot more need and a lot less money. Is that, so is there a way for us to characterize how bad it could get? And that would, if there is, that would be a good data point to kind of present in front of the city council to kind of educate them. And this could get pretty gnarly, you know, come next cycle. We could do some projections based on volume of applications over the last four cycles. We have that data. So we could say kind of looking at this, we anticipate the number to be here. Um, we could also pull information about the total one-time funding that we've distributed to agencies. We also have some survey data that talks about um, agencies having concerns around kind of drop in one-time funding and kind of the tough decisions that they'll be faced with. So we could kind of do a mixture of estimates and then some more qualitative data as well, which I think is helpful for city council to receive kind of both elements. I mean, less population increase that I'm presuming Kirkland is growing and our population will be significantly higher in that time frame than what it has been in the previous cycle. Yeah, we can show um, per capita investment as well compare it to the other east side cities if you think mm -hmm. that would be helpful that would be great actually yeah gabby well i don't know uh, i think one important thing to keep in mind is that the funds for for the pandemic funds are just running out right now i mean they are running out this year and still we had the momentum of those funds coming through maybe the first half of the year. But right now they are almost or completely depleted. But the, we are still here in organizations having, you know, these requests in high volume of all kinds of needs, all the, all the ones that we have already seen on the screen that uh, Jane presented. So it, it might be helpful to remind council that all those funds that we had are gone, but it's the, the pandemic is the impact of the pandemic is not gone. And and all the organizations we we have been funding is that are telling us the same thing. So uh, it it is unfortunate, but it is not is not going, the effect of the pandemic is not gone away. And on top of that, the increase of the cost of living in this area is pushing people out of their houses. People cannot still get a job that is pay, a paying job to pay a rent, things like that. So uh, maybe I'm going to a specific gen or, or Jory, I don't know if this is too specific, 
but maybe all the information that we are getting from the organizations that we are already funding, I mean, just the, the rabbi, I mean, he's not an organization that we have funding. And he said, we have not seen these, <laughs> right? These, in, these major number of calls that are not even in our community asking for help. And that is that is true for all the organizations, or well, the, that the ones that I know of, that we currently uh, fund and the ones that we do not fund. So I don't know how to measure that. Maybe saying, well, we had these millions of dollars for pandemic funds that are gone and we we are still in need of those funds, if, but we, we are already depleted them, no? So we need the council support to find a sustainable more, or not just one time, but to increase the budget for 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 human services, is it asking too much? No, I think it's a good. What Sri had brought up was basically we're running into a potential nightmare scenario where, like you're mentioning, the needs are up here. As Annie pointed out, that there are resources and supports you mentioned in the chat that the resources and supports that were around are concluding or had concluded this year. And the solution I think we have to um, basically address or communicate is that we need a bigger budget based on these concerns, or that's something that as a commission, I'm just assuming right now that's what we're feeling. And um, I, I wanna give you more time and then Gildas. Uh, so Gabby, is there uh, something else you'd like to say before Gildas goes on? Gildas? Yeah, I think I think a couple points that we should uh, point to the uh, council is one, I do remember in our last cycle that, Jen, I believe we asked the applicants to, when they go in for ask, ask for their needs, not what they think they can get out of the city. So that represents the true need. And I think the overall message is um, the need is more than what we have. And I think I think it's a good reminder. But number two, um, we all can we can also point out that our, I think per capita or percentage of budget of human services dollars has increased since the last grant cycle. And I think this is something that we uh, we should also point out as well. Um, so like we are increasing our funding as a percentage, but it's still a large gap to the actual need that we ask from um, our applicants. Um, I think in terms of areas that that um, that we need to focus on, I think I think this is what this the rest of the year is really about is to kind of do study sessions and kind of hearing from the staff and also our own each of our commissioners. Um, experiences right because we are we're, we're we're involved in the in in the uh, in the city um and we represent a certain segment in our in the city so um so i think i think it would behoove uh, us to you know talk about you know what we have observed uh by talking you know to our networks and to our uh through our experiences uh in the city um so and i think my last comment would be in regards to the assessments um, 
I forgot how often we updated. However, I think 2018 seems a while ago, so maybe there's going to be new ones soon. <laughs> uh, and I would love to kind of, um, I think five years, it seems like a good time to update the assessments. Uh, and of course, there's a cost associated. So maybe Jen, you could speak a little bit more about that process and how it lines up to, you know, our application uh, period. Yeah. So the last time that Kirkland did a specific needs assessment was in 2018. So kind of in the spirit of that five-year cadence, um, we did put in what's called a service package. So asking for additional funding for 23-24 to participate in a needs assessment and city council did not approve that. Um, so Bellevue is doing a needs assessment. Kenmore is doing a needs assessment. Shoreline is doing a needs assessment. Kirkland at this time will not be doing a needs assessment because there is no funding. So if you feel like something like that could be helpful in putting together recommendations, it could be something as a topic to talk about in kind of speaking to, here's the, here's the request that we're getting how do we prioritize like what like what data do we look to like that could be a topic of conversation of kind of the limitations around not having a lot of Kirkland specific data sorry so just this is since you mentioned this Jen I just have kind of a couple of questions about the needs assessment one is I don't have a sense for how long it takes. Like if you start something like, you know, how long does it take? Is it six months, 12 months, 18 months? You know, that's one thing. And, you know, and it sounds like, and I'm also curious why the city did not approve it. It would seem like five years is a long time. Like Gildas was saying, I'm a little surprised that the city didn't approve a needs assessment because without that, it's kind of hard to make the, you know, most effective decisions about how to allocate the money, right? If we don't have a more recent assessment. so. So anything we can do to urge the city to fund one would be great, but then the question is how long before it's even available? Yes, so we, it's a great question. There's a couple different ways that you can do it. Um, some cities like Bellevue hire a consultant and they go out into the community, they do interviews, focus groups, they connect with organizations. That start to finish takes about a year, I think, six months to a year. What we have done historically, um, if we have more limited time and or resources, is take the HopeLink regional needs assessment, and we've hired a consultant to extract Kirkland data from that to be able to have specific Kirkland data. That takes closer to three to six months time. So it really depends on the scope of the project and kind of the accuracy of the data. And if you want to hire a consultant to do data collection reporting start to finish, which to your point takes much longer than using an existing data set and just extracting local data. So am I am I just just trying to finish that thought? I'm he am I hearing that let's say if the city council approves something next month, I'm just gonna be hypothetical. And we did the whole point thing that you talked about, that we could have the data by Q1 next year. That is that, you know, I'm, I mean. I'm being very optimistic, obviously, but I'm just saying that even Q1 or sometime in Q2, if, if you got the approval from the city, this is actually possible for us to get the data. Is that is that an act, is that 
accurate understanding or reasonable understanding? I think it would be on a shorter time frame. I think it would depend on the consultant and the scope and the quality of the data that they're working with. So my understanding for the consultant that did the extraction of data for the needs assessment in 2018, it took them about six months. But, but you're saying finish. but you're saying Hopelink has much more accurate data. Their regional needs, they do it on a much more regular basis, so they will have more recent data. Yes, they came out with a report last year. So that's the most um, up-to-date data that we have. Gabby? Well, and my my concern there about, you know, having a consultant, it would be like a consultant that is somebody that really knows the region or the community here because of the equity and the re real route reach. And about the, the report from Hopelink, I know they can report on the areas that they kind of measure, but they they do not cover a lot of the areas that we we are concerned about, like domestic violence, the legal services, uh, the rent assistance that they provide. I don't think they have, they have a lot of volume of that. Uh, uh, I've been doing some research myself because I'm, well, but uh, uh, for me, it's you know out, the real outreach of the community that is really in need of those services, and they are not able even to reach out to Hopelink for several assistance that they provide because of language barriers and other barriers. So those populations are not really captured by them, and the, all the services that they don't provide. If you today try to call, I mean, if Hopelink wants to give rent assistance or something, it's it's a lottery. And it's not very friendly for people that don't speak English. So I, I don't I don't think they are able to reach out or give the whole picture of or the reflection of the of the whole community. Um, I and I don't have anything against them. I think they do a great job and they provide a great service, but I don't think they kind of cover the whole thing. So I, I, I'm hearing, yes, Hopelink is a great organization and they contract with a consulting company to do the needs assessment. So it's not Hopelink staff that are doing the work. So it is fairly comprehensive, but to your point, and I'm seeing Annie's messaging me, it is not as community centered and does not touch on specific population needs within certain communities. So an example that Annie reminded me of is the King County Prima Taurus Network did an assessment. It's specifically for the Latinx community, right? It's very community centered. So yes, the Hopelink one is really helpful. And also how do we make sure that if there was interest in pursuing a needs assessment, that it's capturing unique data from different populations? Is that what I'm hearing? Christian? I'm sorry, yes, I'm sorry. And also the areas that they don't cover because they don't cover everything. They don't cover anything regarding domestic violence, mental health, uh, things like, like, like that, and, and, and legal. Uh, so Gabby- um, Sorry. I, uh, well, I'll, I'll turn it over to Christian in a sec. The needs assessment that I saw 
in 2020. The one I saw might have came out shortly before. Uh, it did. It is. It did discuss domestic violence and behavioral health needs, and those were included in the reading material that I I went through. So I, I think it, I think it will address the uh, the concerns that you're bringing up at least to a greater extent than what is the concern. I, I don't know if we have a copy. Like uh, Jen, is it possible to just send the report to the commission? That needs report from um, the organization. Drawing blank, Olson. Oh, blank. Thank you. We're happy to resend it out. Christian, uh, I had two questions. Uh, was the service package that was proposed to City Council the one for the less expensive version or the comprehensive um, version, or were both presented and they turned down both? It was the the less sparkly version i'll say okay. um and we were proposing to actually partner with bellevue and share the mm -hmm. cost of the consultant to do it for both cities so trying to okay. condense some of the expense that's helpful i i guess like where i was going is something that Sri said earlier Sri ram said earlier i was thinking of which is the timing of the needs assessment i suppose that the purpose of it is to try and feed into the next funding cycle or whichever the next funding cycle is. And so if the short version of it is done and it'll be sometime in between when the next funding cycle kicks off and the evaluation cycle kicks off, I guess that could work, right? But if it takes too long, for example, like consultant selection takes longer than we thought, and that packs on another two or three months to a six-month time frame to do the work, and then next thing you know, you're nine months into it and we don't get the results until after we've dispersed and decided grants, it doesn't really help us because then two years later, we're looking back at three years, like a thing that was done three years ago to be like, oh, what was the needs assessment back then? So maybe then in that case, we could look at this and say, we should push for the more comprehensive one because we've never done one in Kirkland. It, there's been a pandemic. Maybe we could figure out what's going on in our community. So just thinking about it from a timing perspective of what we're trying to get out of this, it might be a better decision for us to push for something that might take a little bit longer, but is more comprehensive. Um, but I guess that's a choice that we have to kind of figure out what the recommendation is here of what we would want to push for as a commission, right? Like it's either the shorter one, hope it fits in the time frame to do the work or a longer one and plan it out in a way that really helps us plan down the road but know that it's more expensive and we may not get that approval ever because it's more expensive, so. Yeah, I think the other piece too as, so there's several cities that are currently doing needs assessment and that is intentionally timed because it will help inform priorities for the applications that are coming in mm -hmm. next year. The other piece I think that I hold is also recognizing the amount of information that we're asking of community and organizations and other kind of folks that have that, that are currently offering that to all these other cities, because we have a lot of regional programs. Mm -hmm. And so kind of to your point around kind of pushing out and potentially looking at more comprehensive could be more strategic in the sense that we are not asking the same question six months after Bellevue asked the question. 
which Mm -hmm. is impactful to agencies. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's another piece of consideration as well. Can I bring up a real quick equity point? Because Gabby made a a comment about, and this is something that I talk about a lot and I keep talking about it. When When we're contracting out to an organization, a lot of times it's someone, to Gabby's point, that's not part of this community. Um, and that would then have to, what happens a lot is people come in with an ask and, and they don't have a relationship with community. <clears throat> and that makes it really challenging to get participation, right? And to get folks to, to in the community to, to answer honestly and authentically. Um, so, I mean, I think that's another challenge. And I think we need to think about that, like how we're doing that process. Are we contracting with someone you know, in, in the Midwest, right. Who, who has really no ties to the East side, let alone Kirkland. So, um, and, and is in making things accessible for language and culture and really reaching all of those, um, folks that really have, um, uh, not often participated in these type of, uh, assessments. So just wanted to put that out. Uh, Jonathan. Yeah, it just I know I've brought this up in prior years, and it just seems super inefficient, uh, both from the city's standpoint and from the agencies having to respond. Is that, you know, either King County should do a comprehensive needs assessment and then breaking it out the data out by region, or um, you know we have a common application for the the need. So why don't we have a common needs assessment that we do across the region as well, the east side. And, and, you know, when we meet with the different commissions, this should be a topic that how do we, you know, get aligned here? And, um, you know, and so what we've done for the newer commissioners, as, as obviously what we're talking about, is we kind of piece together the different assessments that we can grasp from other people's work. And we kind of get a sense for, and with our own, you know, it's a combination, right? It's the assessments that are out there. We read those, we get a hold of them, whether it's Hope Links or Bellevue's what have you. And then we also, you know, our own connections in the community and our own, you know, kind of getting a pulse of what the needs are. But there really should be more of a strategic approach to this. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, and is that something that happens through the East Side Human Services Forum? Maybe so. Maybe we should talk to, um, you know, um, Amy, you know, uh, council, you know, City Councilor you know, Falcone, who uh, represents Bellevue there and talk about how do we fix this? Because it's really inefficient. The second point I wanted to make was, um, and it may, and I'm not asking for us to expand our scope, but I know I brought this up as well, and I think that we should talk to council about this. Is you know, in the last few years, uh, you know, we have a a, a DEIB uh, manager for the city, um, and that's all about the people. That's all about the humans, the human services, right? So um, there should be in some way a stronger connection between the city's DEIB department and the the what we have here with the Human Services Commission. So whether that's a new commission that is um, that works to inform and advise the uh, Erica's you know department or um, or we expand the scope and the size of this commission to incorporate that and expand the staffing to incorporate, you know, to support that. 
But I think it's something we should get their input on about how they're thinking about it. And if they're not thinking about to kind of seed that uh, for this, so they start thinking about it down the, you know, whether it's in a year or two years. Thoughts? I, um, in my intuitively, I kind of, um, I understand there's a, a rationale why we're in the parks department, but if I had to think about a department that makes sense for human services to be in, it'd be more related to DEIB in that department, but I, I don't know. Any other thoughts for uh, Gildas? Oh, never mind. Um, any other thoughts for what Jonathan was talking about regarding um, DEIB staffing, uh, our scope, and um, a, a potential recommendation or conversation we'll have with council about the needs assessment with the strategy he proposed? Yeah, I, I think I just wanted to add, I 100% agree with Jonathan, this needs to be a more strategic effort, 100%, I think. That's the best way to get more accurate data. I mean, like you said, we pool our funds, so why not get a more aligned need? So I feel like that definitely feels like, I mean, I think we've all been talking about getting a better needs assessment. Feels like we're very aligned on that perspective. Maybe this is one of a concrete recommendation that we make to the city council is, hey, we need a needs assessment done. There are many different ways to do it tactical, more strategic, which is us doing it, or more, you know, even more strategic, which is the entire group of cities doing it. And we really need the city council to kind of figure out what's, you know, how to make a needs assessment done because, you know, so that we can be more effective down the road. So it feels like, but I actually, uh, Jonathan, your suggestion resonated the most with me. I, I really think that that feels like a much more effective approach for us to do because, uh, you know, I, because at the end of the day, the survey is the same. The questions are the same. You know, it's it's not like it's changing a lot. So it just feels a lot more efficient from a cost point of view and just getting the data that we need to. But it, it does sound like the other cities have gone forward with one and we've missed the boat. No? That's the issue. So That's like, correct. Yeah. So like, if even if we went out and said like, hey, Bellevue, Shoreline, Renton, and more, let's get together and do this. They're going to be like, we already did it. We're going to wait another five years until we do ours. So, like, what do we do then? Do we wait? Certainly, that won't help us. So, we could be, let's just, so I agree with Jonathan. We should definitely see if we can do a regional approach, but we should have a like alternate option of like, hey, <laughs> some of these counties or cities have already gone forward. We kind of missed the bone on this because of whatever reason. I'm sure there was a good reason. Let's have an alternative pro pro uh, proposal as well, just in case, you know. The regional yeah. approach doesn't pan out. That, that's all. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the issue here is that if a city has already done it once, they'll be less inclined to want to be participating in a regional assessment. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's kind of one of the issues we run up against. Is like, you know, uh, so it kind of feels like there is a long, long term one, which is regional, and then there is a yeah, there is maybe a really short term one, which is something like Hope Link, and then maybe there's a medium term one, which is like a, yeah. You know, just like a Kirkland needs assessment kind of thing. Now, that's that's a triple whammy of money, which the city of city will probably not be very happy about. But I'm just saying that I just think these are options to lay out, and then basically mm -hmm. we need something. I think is what I feel. Uh, you know, but this is like maybe a set of recommendations for you know short, medium, long term kind of thing. 
right? And then we lay that out as kind of a recommendation and then see where the city wants to take it. Okay. I think I have what I need. I will follow up with Jory and Gabby to kind of refine it, but just really quick with the group, kind of painting the picture of here's the need over time that we have started to see and track the increases in funding requests and number of applications that we've seen over time. Overlay that with the budget acknowledge the one-time funding, but also speak to kind of concern around having a more sustainable funding source long-term. So there is a higher base budget to go with the higher sustained need. And when faced with those challenges, not having up-to-date data compared to neighboring cities to help prioritize how to look at the spread of need given the volume of requests that the group is getting and kind of maybe even talking about the different cities approach to needs assessments, strategic human services planning, and just being able to quickly say, here are the cities that are actively doing this. This is why we're interested in this. So it can help inform future priorities and funding recommendations for council. In addition to that, uh, and I don't know if uh, what's, what you're just saying would cover it, but I would also like for us to be able to come up with potential solutions for council to consider rather than, rather than just the needs, but more of this is what we suggest as courses of actions with these pros and cons to each action. If that's within our scope of the conversation. I think so. And then um, kind of exploring the kind of conversation around DEIB and human services. Mm -hmm. So, so for my one question I have of people who've been through this, maybe the last cycle is, you know, if I'm the city council, I'm getting requests from, I don't know, every other board and commission for more money. So, so you know, we're not unique in that respect. What is most effective in influencing them? Like, what is it that, you know, what information or can we provide to really kind of, I don't know, make them sit back and say, okay, this is an area where there's really a tremendous amount of need. I mean... I'm, I, I just, I, I don't have an answer. I'm just asking myself that question because, you know, I, I'm just saying that if I'm a city with everybody coming at me for more money, I'm, at some point I'm like, you know, it's like playing back a mole, right? So, so how do you handle that? So I'm just asking people who've been through this before, like what, what has impact of the city council? Like, what is it that, you know, is there a, what data points, what story really would connect with them and influence them? I think we go back to the comprehensive plan that we discussed where it says everyone needs to eat and have shelter. We go back to what the city has outlined for us and connect back to that. And that almost seems like common sense. Like people need, need food. They need a place to sleep. And that helps us make the hard decisions as to what our priorities were during COVID, which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's cited more with like shelter and food. And then we had to make hard decisions with behavioral health. That was that was the, the gist of it. Um, Gabby, can I add to this? Gabby? Uh, well, I just wanted to add that council is already sensitive. I somehow, or a lot of these topics, I think, because they hear about them too. 
they are not blind to the situation, I think. Maybe it's our, our job or it's our job to, you know, to, to give all the emphasis or the areas and things like that. But last year when we presented all the requests and Jen gave the Jen and Gildas, I think, that gave that presentation, they were pretty open and sensitive and responsive to all those requests. So I think if we go with some approach like that, a real approach of what the needs are and why we are making the recommendations that we're making the recommendations, I think we have a good council that is are going to listen to those things. I think they are open to that. That's my personal perception. Gildas? Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, Jen did most of the presentations, so <laughs> I was there to mostly support. Um, I would say, I think in, in my experience, and Jonathan can, can add to it um, if he wants, um, you know, I think every one of us, the commission, the staff, um, the council has different exposures to different segments in the community. And I think that's, that's what they bring back to, um, you know, to this whole process, right? So it's not just that we, you know, like, we decide exactly how the dollar is going to get allocated. It's a combination of, you know, all of us, you know, determining the priorities based on our experiences and that's based on what we're hearing. Also, we're getting staff feedback, right? Because they they do it every single day, um, you know, very, very well. And third, you know, the, the council, like through their kind of public engagements and community engagements, they also hear a bunch of feedback too. So I think it's a combination of, all those experiences and intelligence that that we that that gets gathered plus some of the data that we get from the applications that we make more of an informed choices um so so i think it's i mean it's it's a i mean i always find it to be a fascinating process to kind of triangulate to kind of get to something that is um you know everyone can live with and i say that just because like like we mentioned, like the, the demand outstrips the supplies that we have. And, you know, that's part of the, the hard part of being on here uh, in this commission is to kind of listening to all these kind of feedback plus whatever data that we get and then make, you know, our best judgment as we can. As a reminder for this group, after the presentation last year, recommendations council allocated an additional million dollars on top of what was set aside. So they are very responsive if you outline kind of needs. So we will use kind of a similar model to tee up the conversation with them in October, kind of using a lot of the information that we had in the grant recommendations final memo. So Sri, did we address your question? I think so. I actually, I know we're at time, but I just had a follow-up. Will we discuss this again next month too? We have follow-up discussion on this, so we have more time to reflect and, you know. Uh, really quickly, see you, Gildas. He has to, he has to leave. Um, so um, Sri's question is, will we discuss what we talked about here in preparation for October 3rd? Um, we, we can. The materials for the memo for the council packet will have already been submitted but oh. we can kind of refine some of the talking points um but the memo will have already been submitted 
So will we be reviewing the memo over email or something? So you'll send us a draft over email and we'll review it. How does this work? Uh, we will have a conversation with Jory and Gabby and determining kind of next steps if they want to send it out to the whole group or if we can kind of address it at the leadership level and submit it. Okay. So I think, um, are we trying, uh, you sent me the email and are we trying to meet up next week as a leadership? Um, that's the, is that the goal? So uh, I was going to ask you, Jen, um, would it be appropriate for commissioners to send staff such as yourself and Annie and Amanda, like the, um, any suggestions they have prior to the leadership meeting that way? So Sri and Christian, Jonathan, uh, uh, Commissioner Jenkins, if they have anything to add, they can there and that'd be appropriate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good. We welcome it. With that, I think it's time for commissioner reports. Do we have any commissioner reports? Okay, so um, I do have one. I'm working with, uh, you know, I gotta be careful about saying this. Um, so there is a prop position one is basically determining whether or not uh, we want to fund as voters um, for a pool, uh, various park projects, uh, funding for the for KTUB. And I don't know how where it's appropriate to speak of this. Um, because one one option that the parks committee had discussed was potentially endorsing this as a commission. And I don't know if that's appropriate for the human services to consider or if this would be the time and place to do that, especially at 841. But that's something that I'd like to discuss um, either tonight or another time. Uh, the general election is, I think, November 4th or very early November. And um, other than that, um, go ahead, Jonathan. I was going to just ask, maybe we can get some legal input from uh, City Legal and whether commissions can endorse uh, props. It's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I am not sure that since we are conducting city business that there can be either sort of in favor or in opposition of it or even a discussion because this is on this is on city business. Time. What you probably could do is encourage people to get informed mm -hmm. and then privately as individual citizens to then endorse or donate, you know, on the uh, that way. But you can't we probably can't do it as a commission, I imagine, like to Jen's point. Fair enough. Uh, other than that, I've been involved with the um, PTSA uh, Booster Club for Juanita and Finn Hill, and I've observed that there's a need for volunteers that COVID, um, it was an issue before COVID, I think, but has become uh, an issue of finding help for local schools. And I imagine people already know that, but just in case to have that on your radar. Any other commissioner reports? Okay, I think the commissioner reports is that they want to go to sleep soon. So staff reports. I just have um, a couple things. So there's several events that are coming up. So City Hall for All is coming up in a couple weeks if folks are interested in that. So that's on Saturday, September 9th. Um, we can kind of send 
the link for more information, but it's an opportunity to come to City Hall. It's the first time we've done the event in several years. So staff are really excited to welcome folks back and just to be able to share a lot about the different things that have been going on and the changes. So things like we now have a DEIB team and the, what they're working on in regards to the DEIB roadmap, human services will be there. And um, so we will make sure that um, that information gets out to this group. We also have the health fair that's coming up on um, the 16th. So let us know if you have any questions or are interested in volunteering and or attending. Then the last thing, just in kind of the spirit of transparency and kind of some of the topics that we talked about last night, there were some very um, hateful acts that happened last week in Kirkland um, that were very anti-Semitic in nature. And so the city did release a statement acknowledging that. So if folks are interested in seeing that, I'm happy to share it with this group. There's also an event that's happening on Friday um, to kind of be in support um, of the Jewish community. So if that's something of interest to folks, I'm happy to send that through to the commission. Yeah, and I just got back in town. Could you give a little more information about what happened? Yeah, so there um, were some flyers that were posted in several of the parks that were really harmful and inappropriate. And so... Um, the police were notified last week and there's still investigations underway, but um, the city released a statement. I can drop it in the chat here. And then there's been a pretty significant outpouring of community response to it. So it also happened in Redmond as well um, overnight. So just want to acknowledge that given some of our presenters and some of the conversations that we've had tonight and that this group is aware. This is why the, we do the work that we do. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I did not know about that. That's all I got. Annie, oh. go ahead, Jonathan. I know we all want to get out of here. Um, the, uh, the gay pride, um, the LGBTQ plus uh, crosswalk, like, we don't need to talk about it right now, but why has that not been fixed? And like, I was thinking like, I'd be willing to donate to like, get that fixed. Let's just fix it. You know, it's like, what is taking so long? Do you uh, know anything about it? I believe we did fix it unless oh. there has been a new incident. Oh no, I, I've been out of town. So I'll go check it out. Okay. That's great to hear. Okay. Yeah. I walked over it today and I didn't okay. see anything. So let me know. Okay. I was in deep conversation with someone, so I wasn't like entirely focused, but I didn't see anything of concern. Great, so, great. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, like I would, I was like, I'll donate to fix that. <laughs> Let's just fix it. Okay. Good to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Any, Amanda, do either of you have a report? No, I do not. Okay. Do we have a motion to adjourn, a uh, motion to close? I'll motion to close. Is there a second? I'll second that. All right. Do we, do we uh, yes, I guess we vote on it or do we, is that good enough? I forgot off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, at 847, we are adjourned. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Bye. Thank, Bye. You. Thank you. Good night.